Welcome to the Dive Podcast presented by Willamette Week. I'm your host, Hank Sanders. Each week, we tackle a different issue that's uniquely Portland. So tune in every Saturday to hear a new episode complete with interviews and editorial that helps explain our city. From Portland's leading paper comes a brand new way to engage with the news, sports, arts, and culture. Stick around. Welcome to the Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Hank Sanders. Today is March 27th. My spring break is coming to a close, which makes me sad, but we have a great episode for you, which makes me very unsad, very happy. So uh, I guess that's synonyms there. Uh, We have a lot to get to. Uh, We have interviews with the founders of two local Portland institutions. First, Michael Powell, the founder of Powell's Books, ever heard of it? And Kim Malik, the founder of Salt and Straw, are both with us today. Well, technically not today. These interviews were taped at the end of December of 2020, but hey, not much has changed, so all the things are still relevant. Uh, COVID's still around, businesses are still hurting and trying to adapt to the to the new environment that we're facing. We also will give you the headlines in just a moment, but before all that, I want to thank everyone who submitted their ideas uh, for the endings of shows to my email. I was blown away by the responses. I actually, I really want to hear more from you all, so please, if you have any stories or work that you're doing that you want to highlight or anything of any importance, uh, please uh, send it to me at hsanders at wweek.com. That's H-S-A-N. N-D-E-R-S at wweek.com and we'll uh, we'll work to have you on the show. We're really we really want to hear more from you. But first, the 90-second news flash. Oregon's criminal justice system is no stranger to controversy, and this week it came out that inmates were being told myths and lies about COVID-19. Guards told inmates things like COVID-19 wasn't real, that the vaccine caused infertility, and were routinely not wearing masks. 27% of Oregon's inmates have contracted the virus, and 42 inmates have died from COVID in Oregon. The FBI has arrested two Oregon brothers for taking part in storming the Capitol on January 6th. They are the first Oregonians to be charged for that offense. Dentists, naturopaths, and veterinarians can now get the vaccine, which is great news if you are a veterinarian that specializes in bat care. Uh, Don't worry, guys. As president of the Podcaster Union in Oregon, I'm I'm doing all I can to get podcasters vaccinated, but uh, it's not looking too great for us. Andrea Valderrama will be replacing Representative Diego Hernandez, who resigned due to mounting sexual harassment claims. Valderrama was the chair of the David Douglas School Board and a former staffer for Mayor Wheeler. Twelve of the 15 Blazers starters have gotten the vaccine uh, to COVID-19 thanks to the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde. Uh, shout out to them for having some extra doses, letting the Blazers know, and, uh, and maybe they'll let some podcasters know down the road. Lastly, guys, this week's cover story from Willamette Week was an absolute banger. Go give it a read. It's about how people found work despite the uh, the changing work dynamic of COVID-19. People getting laid off and, and finding other ways, or people thriving, I should say, in the work environment uh, despite COVID. So really, give it a read. It's super fascinating inspirational indeed. That is the 90 Second News Flash.
The first time I interviewed Michael Powell was in 2016 when I was in high school and had a, had a little blog where I interviewed people. A lot's changed since then, and I wanted to know how one of the most famous Portland businesses is doing during the pandemic. What follows is my interview with the founder of Powell's Books. Um, to start off, how have the last eight months been? Of course it's been very challenging. Uh, you know, it kind of hit us bang, and we shut down like everybody else did, and then the reopening has been slow and episodic, and, um, and it, it's fraught with all kinds of challenges. Fortunately, we have not had any, any illness with staff, and um, uh, we do a great deal to make sure staff stays healthy and the customers are you know, in a situation where they hopefully are well protected. And, but um, we don't know what's going to happen after Christmas. Uh, we always get a Christmas rush on the Internet, um, and we're having that to a certain extent this year. But it's not, um, you know, we don't know the path going forward. You know, what's going to be like in January and February? You know, if people are still reluctant or, you know, the constraints are still there for in-store shopping, um, and the internet goes back to its traditional levels, and that's a whole new challenge. One of my favorite things about Powell's is the ambiance. You know, working in the coffee shop, reading in the aisles. It's uh, it's my favorite date spot of all time. Um, how do you try to recreate that ambiance, if you can, at all, uh, when when people aren't allowed inside the store? We do an author event in the store. We're like you say, hanging out in the store and in the coffee shop, but. We are, our marketing team is always trying to find ways to make the internet more attractive and more uh, interactive. And, um, you know, I look forward to seeing things that will enliven it even further. But when it comes down to it, it is what it is, and it's not the, it's not the same as the physical reality. You started Powell's in Hyde Park, Illinois. Um, on the campus of University of Chicago, and now you've grown it into a Portland uh, Portland institution. Um, so you have goals and aspirations. What are your goals for the future of Powell's? Well, first of all, I'd like to see us come out of this, you know, a year from now, uh, you know, with the kind of health we had going into it. Um, so that would be the first, you know, and, and it's just something I... I'm only an observer. I don't play a major role in this, but I would like to see Powell's, you know, back with its all the legs under the table and, and things stabilized. Um, and then we're open our traditional hours and and, um, and the stores are healthy. And, you know, and then we're looking to take on new challenges. But at the moment, we can't even allow ourselves the luxury of doing much about that except occasional daydream. But... Uh, uh, or whether, you know, we enhance the internet or whether we uh, in any way improve the, modify the in-store experience, the, those things have to kind of wait until we get through this. And hopefully we'll be able to go back to a full, fully staffed and fully functional company. But at the moment, it's, uh, it's more of a get through the fire first and then, uh, and then figure out what you do after the fire is down. So we have a new administration, uh, vaccine's supposed to be coming out. Uh, how does the future look? You know, at the moment, it looks pretty awful. And um, from a retailer's point of view, and I guess anybody's point of view, uh, it just doesn't seem like an attractive place to be. And there are lots of reasons for that. And uh, some of them are going to be difficult to you know, solve. You know, 
you know, the issue of homelessness will be with us after the pandemic as much as it was before, and uh, that will be something that's a challenge. But hopefully we can get the boards off the windows, the stores back open, you know, and be welcoming to visitors and, and Portlanders and, and, uh, and uh, people who have some sense of, of, um, of uh, that will be some semblance of a normal life. When... Amazon, the Seattle company, sorry, uh, was was starting. They, you know, had just been shipping books, um, and they they came to propose a partnership. Do you have any regrets with that, or are you? Uh... No, I don't have any regrets with that. First off, I wouldn't. Amazon grew into something that would not have included us at some point, um, and um, it's, it's like being angry at the weather. I mean, you can't. No point in being angry at Amazon. It just is. Um, I'm not, I don't regret not yet being in a partnership. It would have been, uh, they don't value uh, relationships and they don't value um, um, uh, civility at the level most people would expect it. Um, you know, and I don't think we were unusual in that experience. Um, so, you know, they have to operate, they'll operate in their world and we have to operate in ours and we just have to, you know, be able to, um, to live in the shadows of the, of the giant beast. For, for the last couple minutes here, we're going to uh, play a little game. The game's called uh, Big Question, Little Question. Um, and the way that this game works is uh, I'm going to ask you a little question, and I'll ask you a big question. So the little question is, what is the most overrated book of all time? Like, what book is super popular but just, just sucks? Um, Carnegie's uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People has uh, sold probably three billion copies, and, uh, and uh, a lot of patience for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, for the big question, how did uh, City of Books get its name? Uh, did you did you coin that term, or did what was that City coined? Of books? Yeah. No, we had a we had a, an employee uh, who's gone on to be an artist in the community, Ted Lafleur. Um, he, he's um, a fairly famous um, uh, artist. Um, paints pictures of devastated forests. Have you ever seen a, a very large picture of you know? A tr- uh, clear-cut forest um, paintings, and that's his specialty. Anyhow, he did a poster, uh, and and uh, and he labeled the poster. It was a cityscape uh, where the buildings are made out of books, and he labeled it the city of books, and that's where it came from. No, not my not my invention at all. <laughs> Michael Powell, thank you so much for your time. Have a great rest of your day. You too. All right. Thanks for the call. Of course, anytime. Our next guest is the founder, CEO, and president of the ice cream phenomenon, Salt and Straw. Please enjoy my discussion with Kim Malik. How has the last eight months been for Salt and Straw? Whew, I can't believe it when you say those words, eight months. Gosh, yeah. I mean, it feels um, like a blink and it also feels like a lot longer. I mean, it's been an incredibly challenging time. Um we, we faced decisions I never thought we would face. Um, I'm really proud of the way our team, you know, has come through this with a real focus on safety and, you know, putting the business in a, in a good position, a good solid position for the future. And um, so it's just been um, unimaginable, I guess, is the word I would use. As the owner, what were you, think? I guess, still thinking uh, dur- during this time? I mean, I truly have to tell you, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I mean, we were marching towards uh, running out of money and um, 
we weren't sure what the future held. And so to be here, you know, this many months later and be a safe environment and a stable business is, is saying a lot. And I'm really, I'm really proud of that. Imagine for a second, if COVID had happened when you guys were a little cart. Yeah. I don't know. It's both. um, I, you know, I think I heard Howard Schultz speaking a few months ago and he said, you know, if this had happened when Starbucks was, you know, 60 to hundred stores, we wouldn't have made it. You know, I mean, when you have five, 600 employees, team members, um, you have a big payroll, <laughs> a lot of rent. Um, and it's, it's, you know, if you're facing three, six, eight, nine months, um, where you're not going to be bringing in the revenue, maybe no revenue, but definitely not the revenue you thought you were going to make. Uh, it's really hard to make ends meet, you know? So, you know, we were able to, um, pull things together and get the support that we needed. I think it's, we, we have to help our restaurants. Um, you know, we need further assistance from the government in order for everybody to, to, um, follow the, the rules that were being asked. Um, you know, I, if, if we had to be shut down for six, eight months at that point, no, we would have went out of business. There's no, no possibility um, that we would survive. And something you talked about earlier in your first in the first answer was about your collaborations. So, you know, every single ice cream that you guys make is collaborated with a, with a partner. Uh, and most of these partners are, are small local businesses. So when you guys sell less ice cream, it's not just you guys that are hurting, but it's the smaller, you know, your coffee and your chocolate that that's all locally sourced. So how have you seen uh, the that impact, uh, the domino effect on the small uh, producers? It's been heart wrenching. I mean, I got an email a couple of months ago from one of our partners, a chocolate maker saying, you know, so we've been having to run with an abbreviated menu to accommodate the social distancing and manufacturing. And he said, um, please let me know when we're going to bring this flavor back, because if we don't soon, I don't know that I'll be here. And so, you know, just to hear that, it makes me cry just to say it because he's been an important part of our story. And so um, just the ripple effect that I've always been so proud of, you know, um, at this point, it's it's why we're working so freaking hard to be sure that we are here um, 12 months from now and, and supporting, you know, all of our partners, not only our own team members, but our collaborators. Um, we did bring that flavor back as quickly as we could. And, and I think it was really helpful, but, um, you know, I just don't think anyone understands the network of devastation, you know, that's occurring as a result of this. Uh, what, 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 what can we be optimistic about, uh, both, both the salt and straw and, uh, and yeah, your outlook. Yeah. I mean, Gosh, I um, I'm, I think I can say this safely in Portland. I'm pretty dang excited for this administrative change with Biden coming in. Um, you know, he came to our store in Alberta when he was in Portland years ago, and then I got to moderate his um, when he came to Portland for his book tour um, at the Schnitzer. Um, I got to be on stage with him, and I just, I'm so so excited about a future that brings people together. Um, I talked about, you know, that's the foundation of why I started this company. And I want this next chapter to be about that for us, for sure. Like, how do we support, you know, building trust back um, in our communities and, um, and with each other. And um, I, I think 
I think we're going to do it. You know, we're going to be better for it um, as we come through this. So that's that's what I'm really hopeful for. I have a, a mixed race family and I just, you know, I want my kids to be able to show up in our communities with um, confidence and um, with the support, you know, of our broader community. And um, and I think I think now we're on a path to be able to do that. Um, on the uh, in the back room when in Northwest in the Northwest location, there's the whole wall of puns. Uh, what, what's your favorite pun? Oh mine, my gosh, you're putting me on the spot. Well, I, um, I'll tell you mine first. And then okay, you, and yeah, you, yeah, mine is uh, FBI director, James Coney. I think that's <laughs> the best one. <laughs> well, Coney is my, you know, we have a, um, we have Whizbang Bar, which is the, right. um, our soft serve concept. And um, we, we call our logo Coney. So he's, he's all out and about all the time. I don't know. I'm blanking. Cause I'm so I, now I get nervous, but those are the best. In fact, we should do a coffee table book with those someday. Cause they are so funny. I mean, There's some everybody ones. knows when, um, that we take the tape off of the, um, uh, the packaging and then before we, we, we hang it up, uh, on the back room. So any back room you go into and any salt and straw all over the country, they are the most hilarious, like a whole wall of cone puns, um, that right. the team makes up and they're really good. Yeah. Pretty clever team back there. All right. <laughs> um, uh, so to end, we're going to play a little, a little game, uh, that I call uh, ban or fan. Okay. Um, so, uh, what's, what's a flavor on the, on the classics menu or what's a flavor on the menu that you, you got to get rid of and what's a flavor you got to put on the classics menu for good. Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, to my chagrin, I think we are taking strawberry honey balsamic off of the classics menu. That's a hit. So I can, I can, um, it's not there now and I don't think it's coming back and it was my favorite flavor. Um, really? It was. And if I had um, my say, um, which my cousin, you know, rules this, it's hard to break in, but uh, I probably my favorite flavor that's not on the menu on a day to day basis is carrot cake. It's it's a delicious it has a yummy. Well, you had it. It has a yummy like cheese, cheese cream frosting. Let's yeah, that's funny. You should say carrot cake because I was just talking to the Papa Hyden people and I was like, you, you got to put the carrot cake on the on the dinner menu because that's kind of a salad. It's a salad. <laughs> You've got your veggies. You've got your there. They they agreed with me. Do you not? You don't agree? Well, see, we have a carrot cake theme going here. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. I don't. That's that's random. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's so fun to see you. I wish you all the best and can't Likewise. wait to see you up here next. Thanks. Likewise. Thank you. Have a great have a great evening. Bye. See you. We end this show with a segment that was recommended to us by several of our listeners, and that is a reflection of this date in time in Oregon's history. So thank you to Dave Knows Portland for supplying us with the information used in this bit called On This Date. On this date of March 27th, back in 1964, there was a tsunami that hit the Oregon coast. Four members of a family that was camping at Beverly Beach State Park were crushed by logs from the tsunami. Um, and uh, so, so maybe uh, not the happiest memory to reflect on, but, uh, but that is what happened in this day in Oregon's history. Well, folks, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, episode 13, uh, episode 14 coming out next week. We've got a bunch of great shows for you coming out. So thank you so much for being a part of the Willamette Week and Dive family and uh, have a great rest of your week.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Dive Podcast, presented by Willamette Week. For more information on this podcast or the biggest stories in Portland, go to wweek.com and follow Willamette Week on all socials. We're doing some really cool things related to the podcast on our Instagram and Twitter. Includes giveaways, behind the scenes, etc. A lot of cool things coming your way, so give those a follow. Special thanks to our guests for joining us, and thank you to Aaron Mesh, Mark Zussman, and Brian Panganibon, as well as the entire Willamette week family last but not least thank you so much to heather witty and ampmusic.co for the music that you hear on this podcast for willamette week i'm hank sanders this has been the dive podcast